Welcome to the Any Mum Can podcast. My name is Versha Patel. I'm an ex-corporate girl turned mum of two, turned pre and postnatal fitness guru, turned mind, body and nutrition coach transforming women's lives. Each week, I'll bring you an inspiring person or message mums of all ages need to hear to feel inspired to look after themselves, choose themselves daily, to feel joy and be their best in their world. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now relax, listen and open your mind to be inspired for change. I have a fabulous guest with us tonight. This is Kim Linfoot and I've invited Kim on to join us this evening because uh, one of the things that came out in talking about lots of things to do with women's health is to do with our menstrual cycle and how this affects not just uh, uh, mums but affects all women and I had a really interesting inspiring conversation with Kim and I just had to have her on and talk to you guys and me to educate us all on the what endometriosis is and we all have like a rough idea but I got such a deep insight by just talking to Kim and her personal experience so I wanted to invite her on to have this conversation spread knowledge and uh, bring awareness really of things that may be misdiagnosed for many people and um, really take some action to be able to help yourself so Kim has had endometriosis for the last 22 years so that's an extremely extremely long-standing condition and she's had numerous operations and met she's been part of medical trials and has really had to really discover her own way along her journey and now she was misdiagnosed uh, with other conditions in the past and wants to really share information today because it is something that I've heard time and time again with people that I've met in the health world and and clients that have had the same experience of misdiagnosis. I think one of the key ones is IBS and, and other things that are along the way. So I'm not you know, I'm no specialist in this area. I'm going to hand over to Kim uh, to tell us a little bit more about herself and her personal journey through endometriosis and how she's making a difference to women's and mum's lives now. Welcome, Kim. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on, first and foremost. Um, it is absolutely my pleasure to be able to obviously talk to a wide network um, of, you know, women. And as you said, it's women. Um, mums, you know, obviously do get these, um, you know, conditions. And um, I've had other, you know, friends and clients who have had this condition before being a mum. And sometimes you can get this condition after being a mum as well. So it's really quite um, informative for mums out there too, because yeah, I've had a lot of people that have then ended up sort of having this condition after or before. So yeah, I can't wait to share obviously all about this condition. And um, just before I start, um, so many people have so many different things that happen to them with endometriosis. So I'm going to obviously give you an overview today of what actually has happened to me and my personal experience. But in other people's experiences, there can be different things that do happen to them. Um, I, I'm 
I'm part of the Endometriosis UK um, sort of organisation. And I know, obviously, lots of incredible, incredible, strong women who have this condition and have gone through it and actually had other things happen um, that haven't happened to me. So obviously I will try my best to share an overview, um, but give you my personal insight as well. Is that okay? Of course, that's fine. So tell us, um, 22 years ago, you had this experience and you were in your 20s then. So tell us- Yeah, well, I was actually in my teens. Yeah, I was was in my teens, so... um, I'll take you right back to the beginning, I think. That might be really good. Um, I mean, I was 19 when I actually got diagnosed with endometriosis, um, and I'm now 40. And um, for me, back then, quite some time ago, as you, you know, as you said, there wasn't much out there about endometriosis, and there wasn't much information out there about what this condition was. And now we obviously, you know, 22 years later, this condition is much more uh, widely known and there's more information out there, there's more help and support and guidance. Um, Whereas there wasn't when I was, you know, 19. And really right back at the beginning where my journey sort of started with my menstrual cycle, um, I was 11 okay when i started my periods so you know some might say oh that's quite young and and you know i think there's there's girls now who are actually starting their periods at that age you know so but like i said you know 22 years ago that was seen as quite young to start your periods um and i you know i i didn't have an average period but i didn't actually know what a period should have been like. Um, as far as I was concerned, it was normal to me. Um, but we have a history within our family of most of the women having difficulties with their menstrual cycle. So that's the first point really I wanna point out as I take you right back there, is that sometimes it can be genetic and sometimes it can be hereditary. Um, not all women, um, you know, do go through this and it's hereditary or anything like that. But, you know, because I, I aren't saying this as factual because it can be different for all families. But I know my family and the, the, the history of my mum's side of the family with all of the women and even my sister, um, we all started our periods quite early and we have all had numerous problems with our menstrual cycle. So that's, you know, point there that I want to just sort of bring out. And the second point then was the discovery of my periods really, and how that discovery happened where it seemed like it wasn't normal. Um, But I didn't, like I said, I didn't really know what normal was. And it's not a done thing, especially at that age, to actually talk so openly. And, you know, I think we had a talk at school, um, but there wasn't people coming into school and actually discussing, you know, women's health, or should I say, just health with the menstrual cycle, you know? Um, And I think at that age, it's really important to talk about this and to talk to young young adults and, and teenagers about, what is normal what isn't normal so they really understand like 
the pain and they understand, um, you know, whether they have any um, heavy bleeding or um, clots, you know, and they really need to understand these things. And I don't think that that's discussed really um, in schools enough. Um, so that's my education side really coming out in me um, because of my history with education for the last 15 years. And I just think it's so, so important to try to target that as early as we can. So my sort of periods were, yeah, abnormal, I suppose, and they were very heavy and they were very painful. And about 15, um, my mum took me to the GP and I went on the pill. And, um, you know, they said, oh, the pill should probably help the ease of the flow and it should help with the pain as well. It was one of the worst things, looking back now, it was one of the worst things that I could have ever done for myself. Um, my, my, obviously, my mum didn't know, um, you know, really any better. But now looking back and doing the research that I've now done, um, I definitely wouldn't have gone on the pill because that actually messes up your cycle and it, it doesn't make it as natural as it needs to be. Um, so for me, that is where my journey really started with endometriosis. Um, the thing that I discovered um, really was, it was to do with what I was actually consuming. So this is where, this is where I'm hoping that I can help as many women out there as possible. And obviously mums on your, on your podcast too is that for me, the discovery of looking at my gut health. So my gut health and the foods that I was consuming and the products that I was actually putting on my body and my skin. So my skin is my largest organ that I have. And I wasn't really educated enough on this. I wasn't educated on my gut being the hub of all of my immune system. 95% of my immune system is in my gut. And I wasn't really aware of this and I wasn't educated on it at all. And I didn't really understand what microbiome was as well. I was like, oh, I don't, you know, I didn't know anything about that. So if I, sh if I talked to myself back then, I would have really then been able to understand what I could have actually controlled to do with my cycle. So when I first went to the hospital regarding endometriosis, nobody said to me, what are you eating? What are you consuming? What's your daily intake of these foods, this food and this food, you know, and do you think you have any sensitivities in your gut? Um, and as you said, it can be misdiagnosed um, with, you know, at first I got told mm, it's IBS. Well, as far as I'm concerned, what is IBS? Some people might disagree with me on this one, but I don't think IBS is really um, a thing. You no, know, I think it's I agree. something that they say <laughs> um, to try to give you an answer to a condition that actually you don't really know what it is. Um, and me personally, I definitely had some form of like um, inflammatory in my bowel. Um, but when I obviously then later on and tracked it, 
I realized that inflammatory and what actually happened to my bowel happened around the time of the month, happened at the cycle time, the week before and the week during my period. So actually it wasn't happening any other time so it couldn't have been an irritable bowel syndrome that was happening all the time. It, 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 as far as I was aware, it was just happening at the time of the month and it was connected to the menstrual cycle. So obviously the foods that I was consuming, they were over-processed. I come from a musical theatre background, so I trained as a musical theatre profes professional. Um, and I was touring, I was dancing eight shows a week, and I didn't really look after my internal body. I didn't eat the right things that should have been giving me the nutritional value. And I should have been able to take that nutritional value on, but I wasn't. I was just eating over-processed foods that were high in sugar, potentially high in other forms um, of, you know, fats but not good fats for my body and that's the key thing you know we need fats and we need fats but we need good fats and, and I didn't know the difference because I wasn't really educated on nutrition at that time even though on the outskirts on the outside to everybody else, I would have just looked really fit and healthy. You know, I was dancing all the time, but I wasn't fit and healthy. And that's sometimes, I think, a preconception. And, you know, I think sometimes people, when they look at people that do have endometriosis, it's an internal thing and not all illnesses or disabilities, chronic illnesses, because that's what this is, they're not always going to be seen. Um, and I think that that's really important definitely to get across. Um, so I started getting symptoms really of um, not just painful periods, but I had pain during sexual intercourse and I had pain whilst I actually um, went to the toilet um, and that was um, opening my bowels or also my bladder. I had pain and it was quite intense um, in my abdominal region, you know, and for that reason, you know, I had bleeding when I shouldn't have had bleeding. I had really quite bad, intense uh, cramps and pain that would knock me to the floor um, and that would happen not just when I was on my period, it would happen at any time, you know. So I started seeing all these things and I was thinking, is this normal? Um, so then I obviously um, went to the GP and this was quite, um, this was quite concerning actually at the time. The GP really didn't want to send me to um, a gynecologist. He was like just sort of fobbing me off really a lot of the time, sort of telling me it was IBS and um, telling me, you know, you, you just need to, um, it's just your, it's just your, just your periods. Um, and I was like, no, it's not, it's really not. I really need to see somebody, somebody who is, you know, a gynecologist who actually knows in this area. Um, and I knew that something wasn't right. So eventually obviously got through. And then this is where the journey then started because the only way that they can find out if you've got endometriosis is to then have a laparoscopy. 
So laparoscopy is a camera that goes obviously into the belly button um, and it then will track its way down into the abdominal region to see what actually is um, happening in there, to see whether you've got any forms of tissue. Um, and this tissue is called adhesions. So they, they then hang on to any form of organ in the lower abdominal region. Now, when they went in to go in to actually laser away um, and find out if I had endometriosis or not, um, they found it in my bladder, in my bowel, um, around my ovaries um, and in my womb. Now, some women that I actually do know who are still actually struggling with this, unfortunately, um, they it, it can be found in it can be found in your rib cage. It can be found higher up. It's not just the abdominal region because what happens is the blood cells that form around the cycle time. So when you're ovulating those cells get released into your body. Now, normally, they'd be released into the womb area and then you'd have a bleed. Now, what these cells actually do is they can form and go anywhere in your body when you've got endometriosis and they will then get trapped. And there's no way, they're blood cells, but there's no way for them actually to be able to disperse because they haven't got an opening, which is basically your womb. So what then obviously happens is it, it starts to have a bleed, but it forms as tissue because there's nowhere, nowhere for it to come out of. Um, so that then tissue then forms and actually... The way I can describe it is it's like chewing gum. So when you get hold of chewing gum, you know, and you can pull chewing gum and it, it's really sticky. That's really what endometriosis is like. That's what the adhesion is and how it then sticks to everything. And then when they laser that away, you then get excess scar tissue. Now, that's when the problems can then obviously reoccur. So I've had two operate, two laparoscopies, um, and they wouldn't give me a third one because the second time around, they went into the belly button, but they can't stitch over the same um, scar. So I had to have it glued. And it was a bit of a bad situation, really. I had an experience where my belly button split open and I got a blood infection and um, I was very poorly from it. Um, but the endometriosis will always keep on coming back. Once you have endometriosis, you can never really get rid of it because it's a chronic illness and it's something that will always be there. But what you can do is you can control it. You can do things to actually ease the inflammation and basically stop any other tissue forming. Um, so that's really what I've done over time. Um, but some people can struggle and then go into like um, having um, a full on ablation. Um, and there's lots of other operations, obviously, that people then can have. But for me, my journey was I had two laparoscopies. And then after that, it kept on coming back because obviously you've got your ovaries and you have your cycle. 
So the reason why you obviously get the endometriosis again is because you just basically, you're bleeding obviously every month. So you then obviously form. So what they tried to do is they tried to preserve my ovaries and stop the bleeding. But this is when they didn't really know much about endometriosis and how really that works and how it can obviously some treatment can work for some people and some can you know not work for that other person so i then felt a little bit like a lab rat because i then was asked to trial all these different things these new medications that had come out and one of them was called prostat and it's an injection that i had to go to the hospital for every single month but what it did was it put me into the change. So it put me into the menopause. And I was only 21, 22. And it was quite a shock, obviously, to the system. But because I still had my ovaries and I had my womb, I then bled solidly for 11 months. And that was quite a ordeal, really. Um, it was you know, it would, I, I was, I became very ill, quite iron deficient, mm. obviously deficient in quite a lot of other uh, nutrients. Um, and I just became, I, I lost a lot of weight um, and it became very, very ill because of it. And also I was going through the change. So let's not, you know, the menopause is a thing on its own. And, you know, I help a lot of women with, with menopause now. And that uh, standalone is quite hard to deal with. And I was, still trying to obviously deal with the endometriosis and the bleeding <laughs> and also then going through all these weird changes in my body of going through i had all the hot flushes i had all of those things that you get with the menopause but did I was you, um, were you expecting it did they give you like the foresight of this expectation not as much as I would have hoped, no. They didn't really, they, they told me what would be happening. And the reason why they did it was to try to stop my ovaries from yeah. ovulating. Um, but what they didn't do is they didn't tell me how long I was going to be on and what side effects potentially I was going to be getting. Um, I was very unaware, very unaware of what was going on. And... Um, I feel at that time, the hospital really let me down. Um, my gynecologist at the time just really let me down because I was just so, I was still very young and I didn't really understand what was actually happening. And then I was just expected to go through this trial. Yeah. Um, so that was, a, you know, that was a really big thing. Um, and eventually I said, no more no more we can't do this so then they tried me on a pedestrian only pill so called pop um they tried me on another form of pill which didn't work then they wanted me to have the coil fitted um, and uh, the marina coil was the last thing that they then sort of tried on me and although the marina coil stopped me from having periods it didn't stop me from having endometriosis, but it did stop the ovulation, which then obviously did help. But it made me very hormonal. <laughs> and how I can describe hormonal was they then obviously, you know, 
put this title PMS and um, every single month, you know, having this PMS um, symptoms show up. Um, so they then did that and I was like, I didn't know what was going on really. I was acting this certain way every month and I was a, I was like a different person. Mm. You know, I, at the time of the month, I would go into this ultimate frustration and rage and I'm not like that. I would be quite down, I'd be negative, I wouldn't want to get out of bed, seem very sort of like subdued and, and quite depressed. Whereas I'm actually really quite an upbeat, positive um, person. And because obviously I'm physically active, I'm very, you know, very mentally aware as well. And the two just were like totally polar opposites. I was like, I couldn't believe actually how I reacted every single month. And I, I do think that Marina Coyle did have a lot to do with that. Um, although I had the one where you have the hormones just in the womb area, it still made me, I suppose, it's not really, a, this is not the terminology word, can I say, but it made me very scatty. It made me very um, aggressive, very angry, and it wasn't me at all. And so I did, it didn't to, work for you, that these combinations. So you, you've done so many things and oh so many so many but you talked then, about you talked about like the processed foods and and the things that you were eating so when did that penny drop that made like to start changing your lifestyle to and your food intake to make a difference to this condition so um i went i took a career break and i went traveling for a year and I was, and I had the merino coil in, and I was really ill at times um, whilst I was away, suffering really badly. And um, this is one of the symptoms with, I, I get really bad migraines. Um, and at the time of the month, I can black out a lot. Um, I totally just black out. And I get um, migraines where um, I can't see, and um, it affects the whole of my arm and my hand and my mouth almost like pausy um, and uh, it, yeah, it, it's not nice at all. And those side effects um, were brought on. So what I decided to do, um, first and foremost, there was a reason behind this in terms of this discovery. One, because I wanted to get better and I knew that there was a way that I could do this and also a way that I could do this naturally. And I knew that if I basically got my body into a state where it was ticking how it should be ticking um, and my monthly cycle, I got it to where I knew that it was like 28 days every month and I could, I could regulate it like clockwork. That's what I wanted. That's what I dreamed of. I'd never had that before in my life. I never had a regular cycle as well. I never knew when my period was coming. It was always all over the place. So that was really a big thing. But then also they told me when I was 21 that I'd never really be able to have children naturally. Um, and that was a really big thing for me. I was like, I was now turning, coming 
into my 30s and I was like I really want a family I really want to try what I can be my best self in order to be able to have a baby and actually grow a baby I really wanted to so that was really my like number one focus and I had the marina coil removed um, and that that was quite traumatic um, because it, it wouldn't come away at first. And so that was, you know, another thing that was like, oh God, do another, another thing again. So once I had that removed, I made this, like I said, I made this purpose driven. I'm going to get myself back to um, my natural state. Um, and that's really what I wanted to do. But then I just, I started making all of these discoveries. Um, I, I started my own health and well-being online business and I started looking at foods um, that basically would serve me. Now, I, some people are different. I went down the plant-based route um, because for me, I thought meat wasn't really serving me. And a lot a lot of discoveries have been made and there's lots of articles out there that you can, you know, go and have a read of. And I can even send them to you where it does say that like red meats um, actually don't help somebody with endometriosis because of the hormone content in the meat. So I'd done a lot of this research already. I'd looked into endometriosis and, and the, there's an endo diet that you can actually do. Um, and I'd looked into that and thought, okay, so if I now start thinking about what's going in my gut, and I, I basically read a lot of books and I did a lot of research about gut health, gut brain connection and gut health and that was my sort of like intake really into that was where my penny dropped and um, because i was like right what can i what can i consume and what does my body need so i started listening to my body really and um, i i took out i took out processed foods no processed foods whatsoever i took out processed sugar and um, so that was a biggie for and that can be a biggie for a lot of people i have no caffeine i don't have caffeine um, that is processed um, and i have alternative sugars and i have alternative caffeine but i do not have anything that's over processed i took out meat uh, red meat first and i used to just have fish and then I decided that I was taking fish out as well. So I totally, you know, went plant-based. And even now, um, I made this discovery by doing an elimination. So I had a food, a food diary and I did an elimination for 30 days. And then I continued that elimination. And the biggie for me was dairy. So there's been a lot of links with dairy and endometriosis. And it's the, it's the hormone, okay? Yet again, it's the hormone. Because how I see this is, why do I want to put another animal's hormone into my body? Why would I put, same again, another hormone into my body by eating red meat? Why would I do that when I've got my own hormones that my own hormones have to regulate? And 
I'm putting other things into there, which are, what are they going to do? They're only going to actually affect my own hormones and my hormones are not going to be orchestrated the way that I want them to. So that was my discovery, really, that sugar was a really big thing, um, just processed. I mean, sugar's a big thing anyway for everybody, and sugar's hidden in so many foods, so many foods that we don't always realise, you know, and I think a lot of the time, I mean, I read the label on everything now, you know, and I'm one of those people that, you know, is looking, obviously, at the label all the time to see whether it's, you know, because I can have cane sugar and that doesn't affect me. Um, and I can have stevia, which is plant extract, but I wouldn't be able to have normal granulated processed sugar because it can does you, affect um, When you talk about processed sugar, because a lot of people won't know, um, yeah. so you and I will, but so there's lots of names for processed sugar. And mm -hmm. I think that's the key thing. A lot of people, um, it goes undetected because it doesn't necessarily say you won't say processed sugar. You won't say refined sugar. It will say another name. Um, so can you give us some examples? Yeah, so um, a lot of the time, I mean, in terms of for, for myself, like the obviously we know we get fructose um, from fruits um, now there's certain food fruits that when we think about fruit we think oh yeah well it's just really healthy to have fruit but actually some of the fruits that we you know that do have this high concentrated fructose in can actually form differently in your body it processes the glucose completely different so in terms of how it's how the sugar is processed in your body that is the big thing. So like for instance, bananas. I don't have bananas unless I've done a really heavy workout. And the reason why is because when I have a banana, the way that my body processes that sugar and stores it is completely different to then when I've exercised and I get rid of it. <laughs> so it's it's the way that obviously the sugar is processed. So for me, cane sugar is the most naturalistic form of sugar that I can have um, because it's not really been through the mill of a process. You know, obviously it does it does have to obviously get liquidized and it does have to get granulated. But at the same time, it hasn't been through the processes that normal granulated refined sugar has. Um, so yeah, there's, there's fructose, there's structose, um, which is also comes from fruits. Um, also we've got like, you know, fruit, um, I'm trying to think of the word here. Um, you know, the uh, like raisins and um, currants and all the dry, that's it, dried fruit. They're really high in sugar. Um, but yet again, it depends on obviously the con you know concentration of the amount that you're having. But that is also processed differently in your body. So I personally think that doing the elimination is one of the best things that you can ever do for yourself is actually just do a little diary and see what you've had that day and see how then you respond to it. Um, I really noticed that if I had um, 
sort of over-processed sort of foods um, and sugar, concentrated sugar in that, I would maybe get a migraine or my um, endo would, um, my endometriosis, should I say, my endometriosis would flare. So our body is like, it's basically inflammatory majority of the time. What we want to do is take away the inflammation. Sugar causes inflammation. Yeah. So we want to try to take that down. And that's been, I'd probably say that's been my biggest motivator when I had the penny drop because endometriosis and any chronic illness is inflammation. When we get anything that happens to us, it's inflammation in our body. So it's something our body is saying to us, right, what's going on? Why are we inflamed? So what we want to do is we want to try to take that down. So that was my biggest thing, really. I just need to take the inflammation down. And once I actually neutralize, and you know, like, the, you know, you have the um, acid and the alkaline, you want to alkaline your body. So you want to really just neutralize as much as you possibly can to help get rid of that inflammation. And my my inflammation um, and what inflame, inflames my body is, is, is those, you know, over-processed sugars um, that can be found in lots of different foods. Um, the fruit as well. Uh, as I said, you know, the fructose and the structose, that is definitely another thing um, that really, you know, inflames. So I only have certain fruits really now. I have. And I think that is individual, now. though, isn't it? It's very individual. That's why it's important totally. to track. Because all fruits, the difference between fructose that is in say what you find in yogurt, because you find fructose sweeten sweetening in yogurts often. It is, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's a sweetener. And it's, yeah. at the, it's presented without the fibre. So it's so different to say, you know, you use the example of a banana, but a banana mm -hmm. comes with fibre. So the way your body will digest, process those sugars is very, very different to you consuming even just cane sugar. Um, it's going to spike your blood sugars a lot higher and, and trigger insulin far greater than consuming a banana or a piece of fruit because all fruit is presented with fiber, which is supposed to, and depending on your personal conditions of your body, should, is supposed to balance out how much your blood is your blood will sh um, spike in sugar and therefore taper it will blunt it and therefore the mm -hmm. amount of insulin your body is going to need and produce is going to be less and therefore there's less pressure on the pancreas so you know if you don't have endometriosis um, or any it depends what conditions you're dealing with in your body and you are so right inflammation is the root of many, many things. And we talked, you know, you mentioned how we um, need to come into neutralizing. So we're, you know, you're either really acidic, neutral or, or alkaline, and the perfect alkaline. is around 7.2. We don't want to be too high or too, too low um, mm -hmm. in the yeah. numbers, but 7.2, and you can even get pH, um, 
little tabs that you can run through your yeah, wee in the morning. Can. You can put in your yeah, mouth. You can yeah. do it through your wee, um, because then you get to see where you're where you're at, and that will give you a massive, massive insight just in an instant. You can I don't know where we got ours from. I'm pretty sure we picked them up just from a pound shop. I don't know how, but um, I think you can get them from the chemist anyway. Yeah, and they're yeah, so inexpensive really yeah. inexpensive and i don't think there was a power shop it must have been the chemist <laughs> i don't know where i thought that but yeah so it's that insight isn't it that you you get for, because we don't realize just how much how many foods are creating inflammation in our bodies and there are great foods plant foods that help reduce that um and yeah that's the key thing because around the menstrual cycle you see we obviously become inflamed. So we get more inflammation around that time and we have more water retention as well. So we just become, obviously, we, we, yeah, we just become out of balance, really. And um, we're definitely not neutral. Um, and I think that that is definitely important to think about the foods that we are having and tracking your cycle, for one, um, along with the foods that you're actually consuming um, and seeing if you have any sensitivities um, because a lot of foods will react differently to different people. Um, and as I said, you know, for me, it's been the sugar and it's been the dairy, um, but I have obviously stripped back the meat um, as well. Um, and I've gone more plant-based um, to try to take down the inflammation and as you're saying as well it's really important things like um learning about um magnesium and fiber and how important they a role they play within your body you know it's it's just crazy the role that magnesium and, and fiber play so you have to have that um you know to to help your body function because fiber takes away toxins you know it helps eliminate toxins out of your body so you want to be making sure that you're having enough fiber but a lot of the time people don't realize um, and this is you know i think this is not just you know i think it's just society in general i don't think we're educated enough on what mm. foods actually have the fiber in them we think oh bread but actually it's not breads and cereals because they're then oversweetened. Then they've got, obviously, they've been overprocessed. Yeah. You know, bread and cereal. Are A lot of people, uh, you know, you talk about cereals. So many people say, oh, well, I'll have all bran then, or I'll have, you know, bran flakes. And, you know, really, we forget that actually all vegetables and fruits are fibre. They come with fibre yeah. and so many micronutrients and that and that fiber is not only just to get rid of deto detoxify the body get rid of toxins but it's also to feed the good bacteria in the gut so balancing your microbiome, yeah, it's microbiome. <laughs> yeah. so it's like nothing goes to waste really yeah. actually you know what your micro what your small intestine your small stomach can't doesn't need goes into the large yeah. intestine and feeds the good bacteria which boosts your immune system and you know it's yeah, yeah it, and it isn't talked about enough and, and it's so ph phenomenal and fascinating how 
the gut goes across some in every condition. Like, oh, we, you know, every, almost every chat we have on here, we touch on gut microbiome because it comes... <laughs> yes. So it comes down to that. It really so many central to health. And you talked about processed foods and how, you know, the processed foods, not only the whole sugar thing, the inflammation, but actually how it's weakening the gut lining of our, you know, gut and how then the the, communi the communication to the brain and it can actually dampen the hormones that need to be released. For example, mm -hmm. the hormone to tell us that we're full. Processed yes. foods, actually, uh, the higher the level of processed foods we eat, the less likely there is this um, loop, feedback loop to the brain to say, you don't need any more food. Well, actually, that signal doesn't come. And so it's yeah. another reason why we have uh, the pandemic of people are overeating and overweight because of this. We don't feel full eating these foods. They're like, yes, hate definitely. to say empty calories, but, you know, I'm not one to calorie count, but the they are there's no nutrients and almost you feel like you've eaten nothing because there isn't there's no signal for satiety because no. you're hungry again even you know like you said you're not necessarily sort of stop you're stopping that but you maybe in an hour's later you're, you're hungry again so it's not there's no there's no satisfaction there there's no fulfillment and even there. the sugar the sugar's yeah. triggering dopamine and that reward yeah. it is it's like a whole host of things triggering oh, off at totally. the same time so you're totally. you're driving wanting more sugar and you're hitting that reward system that wants more and more and more mm -hmm. and so if you've got yeah. no satiety yeah. signal saying you're full and then you want more of the hit of the reward because we're wired for reward yeah. it's a really tricky situation so yeah the take-home message i'm hearing is processed food <laughs> is um something that we really need to identify how much people you know especially if you're experiencing uh, endometriosis symptoms um that you really need to think about the food you're eating how and look at some people won't realize the foods they're eating are processed no 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 they won't and and we do the thing is as well we reach for those things because we're busy and i totally get that like that was me you know you reach for those things and it's quick and it's convenient but really think about maybe um what i do is something called like um stacking um, and I, I basically plan and do my meal plan for the week ahead. So I really cook everything fresh and then I just pop it in the freezer. And that's, that's what I did then when I became a mummy because when you're a mum, it's just like you don't always have time to cook fresh. And it's, you know, but you, you've got to look after yourself because you need to look after yourself even more so when you're a mummy and you're a first time mummy or you're a new mummy even if you've had like second or third child you've got to be able to look after yourself so doing batch cooking um is really important because it's fresh you're going to get the nutrients it's stored in there so you then can just get it out defrost it and put it you know put it in the oven as it were you know or in the pan so those things were really important 
even after becoming a mummy. But then obviously I did that process before to then help me. So yeah, definitely you've got to really think about yeah processed food and you were just chatting there as well about obviously you know how it breaks down the lining of the gut and how it can break down and and that's when we can start getting leaky gut so leaky gut is like something that not everybody and there's lots of controversy with it and not all professionals agree with leaky gut but for me i believe that your toxins obviously in your body they have to disperse somewhere and when you've got a lining of the the gut wall that is meant to be like this but actually it's like this look at all those holes look at all those where's it going to disperse where's your toxins that is basically in your stools where is that going to disperse well it's going to come back into your body and that's when they say the vagus nerve which is from obviously your gut right through to your brain this is why they're saying the brain and gut connection and i believe so much in this because for me i was having mental health like illness along with my endometriosis illness the two go hand in hand the two are combined you know as far as i'm concerned when your gut is happy you are happy because 95 percent of your serotonin level which is your happy hormone is produced in your gut so why if it's producing your gut and it's to make you happy, if your gut is really unhappy and you're bloated and you've got, you know, you, you've got funny stools and you've got like, you know, really sort of lots of um, inflammation, your tummy's just, you know, really inflamed all the time, what's going to happen to your mood? Well, you're going to feel really, you're going to feel unhappy. You're going to feel really quite depressed at times. You're going to not be able to want to jump for joy and move your body because you, your belly feel, oh, you feel really sluggish. And it just affects your total physicality. It affects not just, you, you know, your physical, but your mental health. And um, because of these toxins flying all over your body, um, and then the, the other thing that I eliminated was basically um, looking at cosmetic products. So that was anything I put on my skin and um, anything put on my hair, not just the foods I was consuming and um, my makeup, literally everything. I totally eliminated everything. And if, if I didn't know what was in that, then I wouldn't be using it and it had to go. So for me, it was a case of, right, I've just got to eliminate all of these things in order to get myself back to neutral. That was the key thing, really. Um, and, and the gut obviously played such a big part um, in my discovery. Um, and that's what really I've been able to do now. Um, I am very very thankful for this journey and um, for many many reasons because not only have I, have I you know been able to educate myself and help myself I've helped lots of other women with uh, polycystic ovaries with endometriosis through menopause as well and um, with the coaching especially the tracking you know the tracking and looking at what you're consuming and actually um, allowing people to go on a plan 
not just for their food and their nutrition, but also for their exercise as well. Mm. And their mental health sort of rituals as well. So mindfulness, you know, and um, for me, um, you know, yoga has been an absolute lifesaver because I think yoga has so many more benefits to it than what we actually really take it, you know, take it for because yoga allows us to obviously align our body um, every time, you know, every time we do it, it's stretching, which is what we need to do. You know, we need to stretch, we need to align and it helps with the mental as well as the physical. Um, it's also spiritual, you know, so there's meditation in there. You know, that's been a really big thing for me as well, meditation. Um, and I went on a really big, like, um, you know, meditation journey um, for the last two years, actually, and um, really helped myself with another condition that I've got called PMDD, which we might not have loads of time to talk about that, but, um, you know, PMDD has come around from endometriosis. So I personally think that I actually had. So PMDD, just to give your viewers a bit of an idea is it's a form of like PMS but it's um it's actually a mental health condition and it's to do with the hormonal um like chemical um interaction that happens around the cycle time um so yeah if you want to know more and um you know follow me and 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 I can you know, I'm more than happy to tell anybody um, about this condition and any further things that people would like to know. Um, I'm a big, big advocate um, for PMDD and for endometriosis. Um, but like that came along with endometriosis and I believe I actually had that condition long, long time before I actually was diagnosed with it. Um, and it can be misdiagnosed as bipolar um, but for me, when I tracked, and this is why I'm, I'm talking about the tracking, because I'm going back to tracking again, because I didn't just track my diet, I tracked my menstrual cycle. And when I tracked um, my, con you know, my, my symptoms of my mood and the way my behavior and my habits, um, it allowed me then to see that it happened around a certain time from day 21 to day 28 of my cycle. And I was like, wow, it clearly has got something to do with my cycle because as soon as my cycle came, the mood stopped. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was like I was it? a different person again. It was honestly absolutely fascinating. And I think that... You know, if there's anything you can take away, I'm sure there's probably lots of things that you can take away from the from the call this evening. But for me, I've you know I've really been on such a big journey, and there's not one thing really that can help. It's it's a combination of mm. things. It's a case of look at your diet, definitely. Look at um, what you're doing mentally. So are you actually doing any self-care? Are you doing any mindfulness? Are you moving your body physically and doing what you should be doing? I mean, I track my cycle and I do exercise that fits around my cycle. So I don't do any um, 
running or any um, hit sessions or any cardio when I'm actually coming into my lunar stage, I call it. Um, and, and that's when I'm coming onto my period. And then when I'm on my period, I don't do, I only do my yoga and my Pilates. And I do yoga every day now without fail because it is just ingrained in me now and in my body. It's part of my daily positive habits for myself. It's my self-care, you know. So for me, that is a big thing. And I did it whilst I was pregnant as well. Um, and I think that that's a really big thing for mums. If there's something that you want to have, do it whilst you're pregnant and then do it after you're pregnant because it's so good for you and do it with your babies. I've done it with Martha, my little girl, and she's now four and she does it with me. She meditates with me and she does yoga with me because it's part and parcel of what we do. So definitely look at your diet, definitely look at what your self-care and your mindfulness practices are and um, do some more research into gut health um, and actually do some research into your food. Look at what you're look at what you're consuming. Look on the back. You know, and if you know if you if you are interested and you want to know more about plant and um, plant-based options, then obviously, you know, please let me know because going, you know, going a vegan or going a vegetarian, um, a lot of people think, oh, well, there's, what is there to eat? Well, you know, I just, I post loads of recipes all the time and, and I always am like coming up with different ideas about what you can actually have. Um, there's lots of really exciting oh, food there out is. there. Ah. So, yeah, we're pretty much plant-based and there's so much. And I'm, a, I'm of uh, Indian culture and, and descent. And so pretty much all our food is is vegetarian based anyway so that's how we've grown up but yeah. outside of that you, there's still plenty apart from you know you don't need to be eating processed veggie sausages and no. you know all these things because i think a lot of people do feel like um again you lean into these processed and they're all processed at the end of the day even if they yeah. do they're labeled healthy um you've got to you've got to watch it because sometimes when when it is vegan or vegetarian sometimes if you don't look at the packaging like you said it can actually be quite processed and you've got to be really careful you've got to know potentially as well what you're looking for you know a lot of the time i don't have a lot of soy um or you know and and for me i take that out so I have another alternative. So it's it's a case of, right, okay, is this right for me? Is this not right for me? Just read it, just look, just track. Always go back to the tracking, track everything um, so that you can really get a sense of who you are um, and who your body is, you know, what your body does, because we're all so different. Mm. Um, you know, I've really noticed now by doing the tracking that, if I have dairy, it is literally, it's a reaction that happens to me instantly. And if I do cheat, I know about it. Mm. I, 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 I know about it if I cheat. And that's my decision. Um, you know, I don't have um, a reaction where, like, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I might be sick or it, it might be that, you know, it comes out in the other way with stools. It's not that, not that way. I actually get like a, an excess of um, mucus. Mm. 
and it's crazy. I just get this excess of mucus, and it's like my body is trying to protect my protect me from the inflammation to that's occurring. So it basically goes into this mucus form, and then I just it's it's not nice. It's not a nice experience. So I just made that conscious you know conscious choice to take that out in order to actually help myself. But if I hadn't have tracked what was going on and knowing every time I ate something and actually making it, you know, making a note of it, like what's changed? I wouldn't now be sat here in front of you knowing what I can and can't have. Um, and what I can and can't have that serves me. Yeah, it's so say. empowering when you really know what serves you. On, a, on an individual level and yeah, uh, yeah it, it's I'm so pleased you brought that to the table because I think people feel they're too busy they don't have uh, capacity or headspace for it but you don't yeah. have to do it for life it's um, no. something that <laughs> short term to really figure what's going on for you and especially if you are in a really difficult place you feel that your menstrual cycle is owning you then it's time yes. that's a really good point you just said there when you feel like your menstrual cycle is owning you and that's where i've taken the other i've taken the other hand where it's not controlling me anymore yeah. and but it was it totally totally was i was in that place um you know and now it's not it's in the other hand and it's like it's not controlling me you know i have periods every 28 days and you know i, I track them as you know and i track all my moods and, and what happens and um, still to this day it's like a habit that I, I don't want to change that habit because it serves me. Um, you know, and I also track when I've eaten certain foods and how I respond to those certain foods. Also as well, when I eat certain foods and then I see how my period is that month because of those things I've done. That's a really interesting thing because for me, that's taken a few years, but really realizing that if I have a bad period, it's usually because of the month leading into that of what I've actually eaten and what I've not done to self-care. You know, that is then the consequence of that. And that's where I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to be strict all the time. I am disciplined and I, I, I do really take my habits quite seriously, but I do know how to have fun as well. And I, you know, I obviously do do sometimes have some treats, but I'm really just very mindful of if I take that treat, as it were, how is it going to affect me later then, on? That comes from 22 years of, of, well, even longer probably, that you've had a really harsh, painful journey of, you know, so your your reason why is big right you know when you've been in so much pain and you've experienced so much difficulty and challenge with your health then your reason is so much bigger and you have a big reason to be disciplined and so that is if anybody whether it is endometriosis or generally taking your health more seriously or entering perimenopause menopause whatever it is you gotta yeah. have the re if your reason is big enough the discipline 
will come. And it's you know, the shift in the mindset and um, comes back to the why, the why, the why <laughs> all oh, the time. Oh, yeah. If you have no reason why, you'll never really be bothered to stick with it. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people don't remind themselves of their reason why and they just dissolve into their to-do list or their day or life really. Life just takes over because life okay. just does that. But this can be part of your life if you big, make the reason big enough. Oh yeah, I'm all about um, pinning a habit to a habit. You know, I'm all about that. And that's really what I do now because yeah, if I didn't, you know, life is like you say, it's busy for everybody. But I think if I, because I pin that habit to a habit, it just is my life. Um, you know, and I, I've recently started taking up open, open water swimming, so cold water swimming, which has been a really, another um, really big thing that I, I wanted to mention because that's been really helpful to help um, realign my nervous system. So there's so many amazing benefits to cold water swimming. Mm. Um, and it's obviously free. And, you know, if you want to do it and you want to try it, do it because, um, you know, I absolutely love it. And I swear by it for my menstrual cycle. Honestly, I cannot swear by it enough with obviously all the other stuff. But for me, just being able to go into cold water, there's a reaction that happens that then just realigns my nervous system again and realigns me. And I feel, it, what it does is it produces lots of endorphins. So you just feel incredible. You really do feel incredible when you do it. And um, so, you know, that's another biggie that I wanted to obviously share. But yeah. there's lots of it things, you know. Cold water. You could even do a cold shower. This, um, yeah, cold showers, definitely. I mean, yeah. try it with the cold showers first and see how you get on before you go into, like, I do it in open water um, and I do it in the sea. And I, and like I said, I just absolutely adore it. And it's been a really big thing for me, um, especially oh, coming in. fantastic. So, yeah, you know, I could sit here talking to you all night <laughs> about this. And actually, you know, I'm so, so passionate about um, getting this message across and helping as many women as I possibly can. Because as you just said, and you made it very, very clear there, and it's so true, I've gone through such a painful time that I now don't have half as much pain as I used to once have. My periods last for three days. They used to last me for five up to seven days and they last for three days now. And I hardly have any pain. I have usually pain in the first day and that's it. And I don't have any pain any other time, you know? And wow. you know, it's just like, I have been able to change my whole body and what this chronic illness is doing to me. It just doesn't control me anymore. And if I can help other women live a life like this and not in pain anymore, then that is a really big, big purpose for me um, because I just want them to know that the answer's there. They just have to do some elimination yeah. and they have to see and discover themselves. Like, it's so empowering when you discover yourself. It really is. Um, and you you just 
shine even more so because you just like, I know who I am and I know what works for me and what doesn't work for me. Um, and, you know, I think it's really important as well because I know obviously you'll have mums and women obviously on this group it's really important for mums to know this too, that you do, when you become a mum, you do lose a little bit of yourself and you lose the identity a little bit. But if you do little things like this for yourself and little self-care and mindfulness and, and actually track how you're feeling, it's really important because it just helps you be you. It helps you really understand who you are and that's really important. Um, yeah, for, you know, everything. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether you've got endometriosis or it's just. I think it's a really empowering way of re-establishing who you are and what what what's important to you because your priorities change when you become a mother, and your priorities change again when your children become a bit older, uh, ten yeah. teenagers, and it's just checking in on yourself. And life doesn't mean that you have to be always caught up in the rat race. It, you have permission to stop and check in. It, so thank you for your time tonight, Kim. I want to honor you for sharing so much wealth of knowledge and experience, your, your, your personal journey and pain um, in and out of hospital, uh, trials tribulations and you know (laughs) all those things and your discovery of everything so thank you for sharing i'm sure there's definitely people have will get some real i know people first personally that i've got um experiencing uh the condition endometriosis so thank you so much for bringing this inside yeah it is it's so debilitating and anybody who you know who wants to even message and reach out and just to even just get some advice please don't hesitate um because it is so debilitating and i'm not on any medication anymore now i'm not on any contraception can i just say as well because that's a really point um key point um just totally natural. <laughs> so Yay. good to hear. It's really lovely to hear. Where can they get, uh, anybody want to get in touch with you? Um, What's your social media contacts? So my social media platforms, it's Kimothy underscore Michelle on Instagram. Um, and I have a wealth of like information, live interviews. I've got one coming up actually next week with a nutritionist um, and she comes from a different point, a different angle um, and more meat based. And I come from a plant based, but she also has endometriosis as well. So we're going to be doing a live about that. So that'll be really informative. And then you can also find me. It's Kim Michelle Linfoot on Facebook. Um, and uh, I use obviously that platform and there's lots of information there but honestly if anyone does want to reach me and just wants a bit of advice please don't hesitate thank you Kim thank so you. much for your time this evening thank you so, and so much thanks. for having me that's okay and thank you guys for listening this evening i hope you enjoyed today's podcast and are going to take at least one thing forward into your life Also, share with your friends and family for them to make changes and help them in their health. Because the chances are, if you've enjoyed it and there's something you want to take forward, that 
somebody in your friends and family will also benefit too. And the journey of change and health is so much more fun when you have others around you doing similar things. And please subscribe to keep listening. You can subscribe on most platforms like Spotify and Google Podcasts. And please leave a review which helps other listeners out there find this important content that is helping change lives. Until next time, thank you.